Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to There Is No Offseason. It's BP's only daily dynasty podcast. Proud member of the BP Podcast Network. If you have a minute, uh, check us out on all of the social channels at Tino Podcast on Twitter, tinopodcast at gmail.com, patreon.com slash tinopodcast. Uh, hit us up, give us some feedback, rate, rank, all that stuff. All that stuff is appreciated. We love you all. You know, regardless, I'm Mark Berry. I'm a writer at Baseball Prospectus. With me, as always, he's the fantasy editor at BP, and he is halfway to being able to lick all the trash cans in the land. It's JP Breen. JP, what's up, bud? Just living that Pfizer life, my man. Yeah, you're you're almost there. You can you can approach the trash cans, but you uh, can't lick them yet. And as as someone that has been licking trash cans for the last couple weeks it's glorious good man i'm proud of you (laughs) proud Uh, of you we're we're talking about vaccines just um to drop the just to drop the forced code um for anybody wondering about uh our mental health yeah (laughs) (laughs) just just wanted to put that out there Of of all the stuff that i just like kind of like talk shit about and and make things up uh we're actually going to clarify this one yeah well i mean we all everyone has quarantine brain fog anyway right <laughs> yeah it's all so um that, yeah that's that's great hopefully um you you'll be feeling good and not suffering too many adverse effects and being able to enjoy doing things uh a little bit m- more not safely but with a l- slightly slightly lighter conscience yeah i was uh, talking to my parents because my my folks got their second dose about a week ago oh that's great so i was uh calling them to check up on them you know the day after and make well i called them the night of and then i call was checking up on them the day after and stuff Mm -hmm. like that just making sure they were okay Mm -hmm. and um and so the first night that i called them you know they're like oh yeah our arms are a little bit sore but you know we feel fine and um and i was like oh that's good and I was like, because, you know, honestly, if you told me that you were feeling sick, I was just going to remind you that you weren't actually sick and that you'd yeah. get over it in about 12, 12 hours. So, like, it, don't really worry about it. It just means that your immune system is, is working. So. Right. And they were like, wait, so you were calling to see if we're okay, but you weren't going to offer any sympathy? And I was like, I mean, I just <laughs> wanted to make sure that everything was going okay. But, yeah, I mean, you weren't like, yes, you might feel sick, but you're not actually sick. So I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> yeah, I... I I mean, that sounds completely unsympathetic uh, yep. on your end, but yep. I, I understand the sentiment. Yes. And <laughs> so if you are wondering, Son of the Year Award right here. Congratulations. I know that it was a tough race, and I know that that's been something that you've been campaigning for uh, for a little while. So congratulations for finally get, bringing that trophy home. Um, we'll have the banner raising ceremony, I, I would guess, at some point this summer. 
Um, yep. But yeah, there will be a, an official announcement. I'm sure will follow pretty soon. Yeah, unfortunately, it also comes with I think definitely definitionally being the worst son. So <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, both both the best and the worst at the same time. <laughs> it's a gift and a curse. Yep. Um, so you, you mentioned calling up your parents. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some call ups this weekend. Um, you are today, a professional. Yeah, I was. I was. I was hoping that we didn't stray too far from that topic to be able to to be able to use that that one. Um, <laughs> we're we're recording this on Friday the twenty third. So um, the twins are bringing up Alex Kirloff. He was the twenty seventh man earlier uh, this season uh, for a doubleheader, and he was called up last season for the the playoffs. Um, so he actually made his debut in the playoffs. But it looks like the um, the depth chart in Minnesota, which has just kind of been ravaged with COVID, with injuries, is now having uh, Alex Kirilov in the mix. Um, I think he'll probably pencil in at first base um, with Miguel Sano out currently. Uh, but so so we've we've spent some time. It seems like Kirilov has been around for a while, uh, mm-hmm. even though he hasn't really seen too much action. Uh, what what are you thinking um, for for Kirilov? He has not looked great. He was pretty bad this spring. I think that he was a an odds on favorite to break camp with the big big league club, like they they said as much. And he was just like really bad. Um, I, I don't think that that's necessarily an indicator of him moving forward. But are you uh, pick? Are you going out picking him up, or if in dynasty leagues, are you just tossing him into the lineup and um, kind of setting it and forgetting it for the time being? Um, I don't, I mean, I guess in some ways, if you have held on to Kirilov at this point, you know, you kind of want to just get him in there and see what happens just because he's on a good team. He's in a Mm -hmm. good offense. And so he could be a good accumulator. The part that really makes me concerned with Kirilov is that even though he has raw power and has shown it in the past, it's not really translated into game situations Mm -hmm. and the approach is such that it feels like he could be exploited uh, by big league, big league pitching. It it actually reminds me a lot of like uh, Ryan Mountcastle, but without like the actualized in game power that Mountcastle has shown. Sure, but so like I am, I get a little bit nervous about the the overall approach and stuff. But like the BPT. Uh, prospect team still likes him a lot. They still mm-hmm. like the swing. They still like the ability to, you know, potentially hit for average and stuff like that. So I'm I'm not going to write him off by any stretch of the imagination. I just something has to change for it to be an impact profile. Okay, so I, I think um, I I have been higher on Kirilov in the past, and then why, and then just something in the last, maybe this spring, really like how he looked in spring. And I know it's spring training or whatever, but he just didn't look comfortable, um, taking at bats. And so I, so I understood the, the need to, to send him down to kind of clear his head, maybe if for nothing else. Um, I'm wondering if now it does seem like when guys get called up, their value hits a peak, um, before showing that performance, I wonder if now is a good time to float Kirilov into some deals now that he's ostensibly up for good, um, or if he if he has a, a Mount Castle like first three four weeks, then it might be time to 
um, to move him before the adjustments, and you don't even have to wait to see if he makes adjustments to the adjustments, and you can just uh, sell high on some on somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it'll depend on obviously where you are in your contention cycle. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, like if he comes in and has success right away, like he might actually just be showing that he could be good. Um, <laughs> so like it all it'll all depend on you know so many factors but as we can see with somebody like Aristides Aquino where he came in and just absolutely lit everything on fire and everybody was just pumping him up and then all of a sudden he had a terrible September and then now he can barely make the team and is on however many waiver wires at this mm-hmm. point in dynasty leagues like you do have to move quickly you do have to be willing to kind of make evaluations, make trades and do all of those things as well because you can see how quickly somebody like, you know, Mountcastle has seen his value drop, uh Dylan Carlson has seen his value drop, and that doesn't mean that they're necessarily bad, but you then see somebody like a Rosarena who is excellent and then everyone was just ballooning him up the mm-hmm. The uh, the dynasty rankings, and then he's been you know fine, but not otherworldly in any stretch of the imagination. And now everybody's like, well, maybe he's not as good as we thought. And so you have to be willing to strike while the iron is hot. Um, but at the same time, with young players like Kirilov, who have kind of the pedigree that he has, the scouting reports that he has, you do have to be re- you do have to recognize that like if he does start off really well, like that actually just might be who he is. Yeah, and um, you, you mentioned Rosarena, and I think that that's a good shout. Uh, Mike, John, and, and Samuel were talking about him in comparison to Luis Robert uh, this week on their on their show on Flag to Flag Forever. Um, gr- great show, Baseball Prospectus Podcast Network. Shout out, shout out to the brand. Um, but Luis Robert had that same kind of plummet in September, where everyone, where that was the last time we saw him as a fantasy community and we're like i don't know maybe he can't make the adjustments the pitchers figured him out and he's not as good as he was at the beginning of the season he's he's like clearly good like even if he doesn't hit 310 for the whole season he's figured some stuff out he's striking out less um and i think that when you and i'm and to bring this back to kirilov I'm interested to see what happens with him because we have so little to go on um, as far as minor leagues are concerned. I keep almost like whiplash making judgments on guys about who I like and who I don't like and what, can they adjust and is this the adjustment or is is the are, wait no are the pitchers adjusting who, who's who's doing the adjustments and it's just adjustments left right left right and I seem to fall for for most of them. So um, in this full season and with minor league games coming back in the next week, um, I'm interested to see in in Kirilov as being one of the first big prospects to debut with that prospect pedigree and a full offseason of knowing what the uh, climate is going to be and what the environment is going to be. It's... um, it, I'm, it's a long, long-winded way of saying, in this weird setting that we're currently in um, on the landscape, like he's the he is the first test case of big pedigree guy. How is this development working? 
Um, and is it different than what we thought it could have been heading into this season? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. And the other thing that I would kind of be paying attention to right away is where Minnesota puts him in the batting order. Mm-hmm. Like, are they putting him down, you know, at the bottom of the order because they want him to kind of like get his feet wet, and not put too much pressure on him and all of those things, which might be wise, but at the same time, that's going to hurt his fantasy value early in terms of accumulation. And it also just might signal that he's up and because, you know, he's better than what, you know, he's better than like Jake Cave. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's not necessarily signal signaling a, a whole lot of confidence in terms of his ability to contribute right away and handle pressure. Um, judging by the fact that they brought him in kind of, I don't know what you would say, like right away, basically right away into uh, the postseason last year. And they're like, well, mm-hmm. here you go. Yeah, um, it does kind of feel like it's going to be one of those situations in which they just want to put him into the fire, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and I think that um, they are maybe a little bit better equipped to handle a prospect. Uh, I just immediately when because it does seem like he might be playing first base here for the for the uh, beginning of his tenure, and. It just immediately reminds me of their divisional counterpart uh, with um, Andrew Vaughn and how he's just looked lost mostly because he never knows when or where he's going to play. And so I really think that if they just kind of let Kirilov sink or swim, then that'll be uh, that'll be better for him than the alternative like yo-yoing like Andrew Vaughn's doing in Chicago. Yeah, and like so many people, I think rightfully pointed out the Tony Larusa issue, mm-hmm. um, and that was something in which I kind of discounted it. And obviously, that was probably foolish. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, like we're three weeks in, I I don't know. It's hard to tell. Uh, and what I will say about Tony LaRusso is I knew him well enough to know that, uh, you know, Adam Eaton was going to hit basically first or second every single day, no matter what, <laughs> yeah. and he's never going to come out of the lineup. Uh-huh. Um, and so like that, so I, you know, you and you and Tony are one in the same in that regard. <laughs> I was like, put that in ink, uh, and we'll see what it Adam Eaton, by the way, has been really good. So I don't want to hear any Adam Eaton stand, uh, slander in kind of. I don't know. This yeah, podcast. no, I mean, so, it'll, it'll be... I was going to say podcast airspace, but I'm not 100% sure that's right. Sure. No, I mean, I un- totally understand where you're going with that. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in that outfield because Billy Hamilton was activated today and uh, Tony La Russa is going to have to make some tough decisions on where where his lineup shakes out. Because if you have Billy Hamilton and you can play Billy Hamilton instead of Andrew Vaughn, you, you probably have to do it, right? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even like have a good, I don't even have a good thing for that. Well, then let's talk about Nick Gordon, who's also up for the twins. And, um, when I saw, I saw the tweet that said, here comes Kirilov and also Nick Gordon. I was like, oh, cool. Nick Gordon is back. <laughs> and then I looked up his page and I was like, oh wait, Nick Gordon is debuting. It yeah. just seems like he's been here forever and, but also hasn't been. Um, I, I don't think that we're, we should expect like fifth overall pick production from Nick Gordon, 
But I do, I do think in deeper leagues, he could be a decent bench piece to plug in when he's in the lineup because um, I do think that he's somebody that could steal a bunch of bases if he's playing and if he's, you know, hitting some. That That is the question, like whether he is going to hit some <laughs> because he's yeah. not going to walk. And um, so... He he's got the speed. He can he can play a couple different spots on the infield, and that's maybe where it ends with Nick Gordon. But I just thought it was cool that he's up because he hasn't been yet, and he was a pretty highly touted guy for a while there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't have um, too much. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have too much desire our, to have him on on my team. I guess, but our Slack was on fire for the Nick Gordon call up. I'll just I'll just say that much. Everybody was wanting to uh drop their two cents about the upcoming Nick Gordon experience. So, check it out on the site if you want some a little bit more in-depth Nick Gordon analysis than uh from the two of us where we say he could run some and it'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I also just want to bring it back because I had to look it up before I ended up saying anything definitively about Adam Eaton because I feel like it's something that I'm required to do it always comes back to Adam Eaton I'm required to do it he has posted a DRC plus above uh, at you know he's been an above average hitter so it's 100 100 or above right for DRC plus across the entire league every single year since 2014 aside from last year that's wonderful I'm happy. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for Adam Eaton, and I'm happy for Tony Larusa. I got him for the a holy, got the him holy for triumvirate. A, got him for a got him for a buck in uh, my model portfolio, man. It's good money spent. Yep. Congratulations. It's it's working out better than my dollar on CJ Crone. I also spent a couple bucks on CJ Crone. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So uh, let's move on to. Um, some names that were on your stash list. The what, what, what would you say? This is the version 3.0, 4.0 of the stash list. You've been you've been doing some tinkering. You've been getting under the hood and coming up with some um, some new ways to to think about what what we do and what we need when we're talking about stashes. Mm-hmm. And uh, for your prospect stashes this week, there are some guys, and we're we're presumably past the date where teams will get an extra year of control for um, for some of these prospects. So, I guess congratulations on to you seven years from now when you may or may not want another year of these guys. But uh, that's neither here nor there. We don't need to get into that again. But uh, number one is Logan Gilbert. And I think that one of those takeaways from the the Kevin Mather incident is that he said that Logan Gilbert was on a similar track to Jared Kalanick in that he would be up as soon as the date passes for an extra year of control and or if he signs a team-friendly extension, maybe they would let him play in that case. Um, I I think that there's probably a little bit too much heat in order to in other uh, excuse me there's a little too much heat to just bring him up the day of which i think maybe was last friday if i'm not mistaken but i think he should be up soon and he um could be an interesting guy and the mariners are in first place so um what do you think about logan gilbert are you picking him up in any leagues 
Well, I mean, I uh, to be honest, I only play in Dynasty Leagues this year. Mm-hmm. So he's long gone. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So I I am not picking him up in any redraft leagues, but that is just a product of, of not playing in any this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that – but if I were playing in one, um, it would depend on what's going on. I think in a shallow league, I absolutely wouldn't um, because I'd want to be maximizing – this is the whole thing for the stash list, right? Like, uh-huh. I, I wouldn't want to... You're saving the have, roster spot. Yeah, I, I would want it somebody who I'm actually, like, using. Um, and because I don't think there's any... there. Like, Logan Gilbert might not be up before... I mean, I, you could name pretty much anybody, right? Like, Mackenzie Gore might be up before Logan Gilbert. We don't know. Luis Patino might be up before Logan Gilbert. There's just no way to know who's going to get called up when. I mean, who would have thought that your two starting pitchers who, you know, had started games as prospects this year were going to be Ryan Weathers and Brent Honeywell? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it just it's so difficult to figure out who's going to do what in any given time that in most redraft leagues, it doesn't really make sense to, to stash. And obviously going through the stash list, some people have been like, yes, but in extremely, extremely deep leagues or like only leagues, like you kind of have to. And sure. Sure. But like, that's always going to be the case. And most people don't play in those leagues. Um, but so like Logan Gilbert, if you've got room and you want to be able to stash somebody and you know, if you're in an AL only league, like Gilbert, yeah, is one of the guys who's going up. But like, I'd be also really interested if I'm in that situation, like George Kirby. Yeah, I I was gonna bring him up. I I of I wrote the the Mariners top ten for um for fantasy, and I I don't remember if I think that Kirby is third behind Logan Gilbert and Emerson Hancock, and I said that I was like I I, I totally understand why the other two are higher and the potential and they're like big dudes but Kirby was my favorite of the three and it just I think that we fall into a trap when it comes to comps of um oh who is the guy that is little and right-handed and up that's Tim that he could be a Tim Lincecum type or um and or doesn't walk anybody um and maybe is a command control over stuff I wonder if he could be a, a Shane Bieber, but looking at like digging in, it, it does seem similar to Bieber, and I don't think that he's going to be like one of the three best pitchers in baseball. But I, I do think that Kirby, with that command, it's almost like liking hit tool and expecting the power to come later. If he has the command, and he, now he's being coached up to where he's throwing ninety eight, like holy shit! Like what else? What else are you looking for? So I, I like, of those three, I like Kirby. And if you have the deep bench in Redraft League, I would think about stashing him over, um, well, certainly Hancock. I wouldn't expect to see him this season, but um, even Gilbert. And I think that Gilbert's stock is probably the highest of all of them, but I, I would be more interested in trying to pick up Kirby if I if I had my, uh, my druthers. Yeah, I mean the problem is, is that Kirby might legitimately not even be up with the team until September. Yeah, or right? like or at all. Yeah, and so 
Yeah, it's so difficult, especially when we don't really have games going on where we can't say, like, you know, so-and-so started off the year extremely well, or, like, so-and-so is on an absolute hot streak. They might just force their way into the roster of a team that is contributing. So, like, things are going to get a little bit easier in the next couple of weeks once AAA starts. And it's, it's one of those scenarios right now that Gilbert is solid, and it's hard to know what... Seattle's doing because Seattle just came out what yesterday or today basically saying like Jared Kellenick is not imminently going to be called up <laughs> um which on some level like I kind of get you know it's not that I think that he is uh not worthy of being called up or anything of that sort but you know you've got the Mariners who've got Mitch Hanniger who's been awesome yeah uh, they just got Kyle Lewis back Kyle Lewis should be starting and they've got Taylor Trammell, who it's not like they're in a situation where Trammell is a kind of prospect that you're like, well, you tried it for a couple of weeks. It's not working. I guess you're done now. Mm -hmm. Like Trammell is somebody that you still want to, he could be a slow burn guy. He might be somebody that doesn't really ever figure it out. Maybe you call maybe you want to send him down once there's actually triple a games where he can play. You don't want to send him down just to the alternate site and be like, okay, well now go be bored there for a couple of weeks. So I understand that scenario actually but it also might be a signal that with Kalanick and Gilbert it's not just a matter of getting the extra year it might be the super two hmm <laughs> that would be such a bummer yep poor Kalanick but the part about Kalanick is they have a ready-made excuse at the major league level of why they're not calling him up I mean they've got plenty of outfielders and actually they've got plenty of outfielders that can be productive yeah um and so, I don't think there's any scenario in which Kyle Lewis shouldn't be starting because he should be. Mm-hmm. And so I think the question becomes um, more so like it, it would be justifiable as long as there's not an injury to one of. So <laughs> basically we're, uh, we're one Kyle Lewis or Mitch Hanniger injury away or any injury to a starting pitcher from maybe seeing either of those two. Yeah, I think so that's probably right. it is extremely possible but you also don't want to root for people to get injured so um no especially for somebody like Hanniger and Lewis who have both really struggled with bad injuries mm-hmm. right and, like and man, just Hanager, to get back Hanniger has been legit this year yeah he's been phenomenal he's got um, like an OPS over 900 and just hitting what like 320 or something like that he's just <laughs> been he's been incredible yeah, not not too shabby. Um, so another guy that I want to talk about that you uh, didn't have on the top five of the stash, but um, could see some time and could see some time at a position positionally friendly position. Did you like? I like that? it. I like Did it. Like it's good. One? It's good. Uh, <laughs> Dalton Varsho. Yeah. Um, the Diamondbacks are in a weird spot, and uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, because they have a ton of like utility guys, and so they just have the capacity to shuffle people around at um, a bunch of different places, and Varsho is like that a little bit too, in that he can catch and he can play the outfield, uh, catch, mm-hmm. you know, quotation marks, um, but uh, and he was up last year for a decent amount of time. But he doesn't immediately have a place to play in Arizona, even though I don't think that they have any grand aspirations of of being very good, even though there's, you know, hovering 
right around 500, like most of the league. Uh, so Dalton, you you have been sort of an advocate of Dalton Varsho before, and you had mentioned maybe trying to trade for him in, uh, from our team on in TDGX. Is he does he keep his catching catcher eligibility, or does that solely depend on um, Stephen Vogt's health and whether Carson Kelly is the best hitter that's ever played baseball? Carson Kelly's been incredible. Uh, we were just looking up his line before we started, and Carson Kelly's hitting three fifty one with a th- with a five thirty seven on base percentage. He's slugging seven thirty. I and look. I, I understand good. when he when he comes when he comes to the plate, you're just immediately like the the manager doesn't even have to flash the four fingers because everyone knows you should you should probably be walking that guy. Um, Carson Kelly walking about a quarter of the time, which is he's walked thirteen times and he's only struck out ten. Amazing, uh, yeah. So Carson Kelly is not losing his spot. Um, maybe Varsho can sneak in some backup reps, but I, I mean, they ha- a lot of their guys are, or a lot of their outfielders at least are a little bit older. Mm-hmm. that are tougher to displace. Like Tim LoCastro should be back um, from the DL at some point. And then you have Cole Calhoun, you have David Peralta, and then you have like the, the utility trio, uh, the Josh Van Meters, Andy Youngs, Josh Rojas, like all those guys who can probably fake outfield. And uh, Kettle, Kettle Marte can play center. Yeah, and Kettle Marte. So I don't really know where... He is going to play, but he I, I know that he probably should because yeah. I think that he's ready to be um, a big league player for sure. Yeah, I think the only thing that you do with Dal- Dalton Varsho is like you wait until AAA starts if you really want him to work comes catching. Mm-hmm. Like I think there is some merit in that, especially if you want to say like I want him to take some reps over Stephen Vote or something like that. But Stephen Vogt's still been not only just a clubhouse leader, and I think that's important, um, is like he still is just somebody who can handle a pitching staff, show everybody the ropes. I would imagine he's mentoring Carson Kelly. Yep. Um, So are you saying that Stephen Vogt is responsible for Carson Kelly's 500 on base percentage? I'm not not saying that. That's fair. Yeah. I think that's what's really important to recognize is that I'm not not saying that. Yeah, I, I've heard that Stephen Vogt is is one of those guys that will just walk up to you when you're in the on deck circle and say, "Hey, take take these pitches and and see if you can draw a walk." And then <laughs> if you do it, then like, look, it's it's Stephen Vogt. It's Stephen Vogt's world. We're all just we're all just kind of hoping that he blesses us with some wisdom. Uh, so. It's. I could see that if you're going to kind of be in a scenario of, you know, do you call up Dalton Varsho now? But at the same time, like, you also don't really want to do what Dalton Varsho did last year in the big leagues and where he's, like, up but not really playing every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I just don't – I just don't know what is happening with them. But Carson Kelly, by the way, is, I think, a good example of just – the unusual developmental process of catchers, mm-hmm. right? Like 
he was actually okay in 20 uh in 2019 he had 18 homers that year and everything it's just you know his batting average was bad <laughs> um and it was bad last year as well and so like yes he has a, uh, a 375 babip and all that stuff but you know he's showing the ability to hit for power and when you're talking about somebody who can potentially hit 20 homers from the catcher position and yeah maybe he hits 250 but like that's legit from the catcher position Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, similar note, like Omar Arbaez, like he, there's so much more that goes into playing catcher, and that's why in in the one catcher leagues, that's why I was just always like, you just fade catchers, you'll be able to find somebody that can not that can be like okay and not just be a black hole. Mm-hmm. Um, Omar Narvaez comes to Milwaukee and we have seen what he's done at pretty much every stop before that in part-time action and has been good. And then he has to get to know a whole new pitching staff in a new league in a pandemic. And then everyone kind of just forgot about Omar Narvaez and now he's the best hitter on the Brewers. And well, and the thing about Narvaez and I brought him up, um, I don't, I assume on here, I don't think I wrote about it and just talking about his 2020 season and being like, yeah, it was a train wreck in a lot of different ways. But like, if you actually look at what was happening last year is yeah, he was striking out a bunch, but like the parts that made his breakout in 2019 carried over to 2020, like the fly Mm -hmm. ball rate was still there. Like he still like his ground ball rate, uh, was under 40% for only the second time in his career. He was still, his fly ball rate was still up above 35% for the, the second time only. He was still trying to pull the ball. Um, there was still so much stuff. His, you know, his launch angle was up in the exact same area that it was in, in 2019 when he had success with Seattle. Like all of the things that the argument was, you know, in 2019 he found success, not because, you know, like there was some kind of weird power spike or anything like his home runs per fly ball were pretty much the exact same from 2018 to 2019. He just gave himself more opportunities to hit homers. And so if you were looking at all the changes that made him successful in 2019, they were still there in 2020. It just couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2020, it turns out he's making contact again. Everything else is the same and he's having success again. Yeah. So, Long story short, catchers are weird. Yeah, they uh, might take a little while to get good, and once they're good, they might not stay good, and then they might get good again after a year of not being good. Well, so. and it just turns out that you know, Omar, Omar Narvaez had a career two seventy. You know, it was like low two seventies, was like two seventy three or something like that in terms of his um, his career batting average, and then last year he hit two seven or one seventy five, and like, oh look, that might not be actual. <laughs> That might that might not be a real thing. <laughs> yeah, every single year of his career, he was like two sixty seven, two seventy seven, two seventy five, two seventy eight, one seventy six, and every and everyone was like, "Oh man, he must be terrible now." You're like, "Well, maybe not." <laughs> so Omar Narvaez, Carson Kelly, they're both uh, playing very well this year. So shout yeah. out to them. I should also give another shout out to uh, the the old man. That everybody tends to forget about. Wilson Ramos doing the business. I 
have almost just completely forgotten about everybody that plays for the Tigers. Yeah. Uh, so actually, I wanted to ask you, uh, before we move on to some, some trade questions, you have Spencer Torkelson, and we, we talked about it a little bit, uh, but you had Spencer, Spencer Torkelson on the stash list. Yeah. Um, and he has yet to take a professional at bat, so that might be a little bit aggressive. But from what we've seen uh, from him in the past and his his pedigree and his track record, it's not... And he and he has almost literally nobody in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't. It's it's crazy, but also maybe not that crazy. Um, I know you were walking it back a little bit before we started, but what were your yeah. thoughts about maybe maybe seeing Torkelson at some time in twenty twenty one? Well, it was a combination of a couple of different things. Number one, my confidence in his bat more generally. But yep. the fact that they were already trying to work him out at, at third base, the fact that they were giving him some positional flexibility, they played him so much in the spring. It was just one of those things that it was like they're looking for a reason to get him up in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, or like they're trying to give him flexibility enough that he has multiple pathways to do it. And the spring, I think, put a damper on it, but when they designated uh, Renato Nunez for assignment, you know, prior to writing uh, the piece. And it was just like, God, they, you know, they just got rid of another piece that was kind of there <laughs> in front of them. But yeah, I mean, reflecting on it, I think I told you that I was like, I think next week I won't have him on, on the top five. I think it's a little bit too aggressive just because he is going to have to shake off some rust. And the fact that he's going to high a, is worrisome and you know we talked about it beforehand the fact that it is high a but it is still in michigan like it's still Mm -hmm. close to the team nearby yeah and it's it's what the brewers have done with like some advanced guys uh or like when they send people down to the minors from the big leagues they send them to appleton in in wisconsin and yeah it's low a but it's close to the team um and it's like they've got facilities there they've got support networks there and it's like we also want you close because like we just might call you up here um so, like, there's a lot of different factors. I I do think that I was probably too aggressive on it, though. So, just for some context in that organization, uh, Renato Nunez was DFA'd, so we'll see if anybody um, picks him up. It's hard to, like, when you get DFA'd from the Tigers, like, that probably limits your options of landing spots. Um, I, I would guess that Isaac Paredes is going to be next, for infield guys called up, and we'll see how he does. I, I imagine that he'll play at third base. Maybe they'll shift uh, Jamer Candelario back to first base. Um, so that they have a few options, but after that, it's the cupboard isn't loaded with guys ready to come up at corner infield spots. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it it's not out of the realm of possibility that we see him this year, but it, it, maybe it's just a little bit unlikely in today's we got to have as much control and as much timeline as these guys as possible, especially for somebody that could be a premium um, bat pretty quickly here. Well, and it was also just one of those situations in which it's like pretty clear that like, like I can easily imagine a scenario in which Torkelson is in high A to start the year or whatever. It has just an absolute monster three weeks to the, Mm-hmm. to the beginning and they're just like wow i mean you're 
we were kind of wondering if you were ready. Uh, yeah. Looks like you're good. Uh-huh. And they can just give them the run. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening because if they start to get all their young pitchers up there and they start to think about kind of building a core together up at the big league level, and we, we've seen it before in the past with like Kansas City, um, and that ended up paying dividends for them in the long run, that there is something to be said for actually growing a core. Yeah, and and I was just going to add to that. When your um, when your core has so many pitchers like Detroit's does, I wonder if that speeds up the timetable for position players not to promote when if they're not ready, but if it looks like they're ready, maybe you don't mess around as much with service time because of how fickle um, pitchers are, and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, we need to use um, forgive the crude expression, we need to use like use the bullets in the chamber while we have them and because you never know uh when a pitcher is going to get hurt when they're going to go down and not be able to um to help the team so i wonder if that speeds up the table um for their position players as well which would make some sense but it it does seem like the, the baseball is a little bit maybe cynical for that to for that to come to fruition so if you had to guess where if we're if we're just like I just looked at uh, WRC plus just as a crude measurement. Okay. In terms of worst three offenses in baseball, I'm going to give you a clue. Detroit's one of them. But where do they sit in the bottom three? And kind of who would you who do you think are kind of like starting from the bottom and being thirty twenty nine twenty eight? Well, I have a little bit of bias so i would think cleveland has to be down there you would be wrong i wondered if you'd say that um the rockies where are they they are last they are rock bottom by a lot the rockies bottom get it yep (laughs) so uh it's real good maybe maybe detroit is second to last Oh wow! So okay, they're third. They're twenty eighth. So, uh, so if we're talking about WRC plus again, hundred is average. The Colorado maybe has a seventy, which means Ugh. they're thirty percent worse than the league average team. That it's not really what you want. And then you've got Detroit, who's eighty three, and they're third wow. worst. So there is a second second to worst team, and that what you then went with was uh you're gonna have to remind me who who, who, i thought cleveland so cleveland is tied with a bunch of people at 87 Mm. um so no it's it's not cleveland um oh it's probably baltimore yeah yeah baltimore is 81 overall so you've got colorado uh over 11 percent worse than Baltimore and the next which like boss so I just I just got to the page so Colorado is worse than the 29th offense from then Boston is from about the fifth offense mm-hmm. I guess that, that's not that's not crazy but never mind I thought that that was going to be a, a bigger <laughs> discrepancy like just some kind of like mind blowing thing. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't. 
I mean, let's... it was it was what it was. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, but in case you're wondering, um, Milwaukee is tied with the Tigers for being yeah. a terrible offense. But at the Sorry, same time, buddy. you know, also it turns out that having Christian Yelich hurt um, doesn't help. Maybe they should make the whole offense out of Omar Narvaez. Maybe they should. Uh, though Colton Wong came back today uh, and already is three for three with a homer. So that's okay. And um, also Billy McKinney continues to like. Yeah, Billy good. McKinney. Billy McKinney got a, has another home run. See, that's the kind of stuff that pisses me off. Like Billy, you get Billy McKinney, and Cleveland is still running out these dudes in their outfield. Like for the last three years, where you're like, eh, I don't know, they're just. Don't have any outfielders. Sorry. Here, Dude, here's, like, here's more Jake Bowers. <laughs> but it was also one of those scenarios, too, that, like, Pakoda called that one, too. Yeah. Like, Pakoda, like, consistently for the projections had Billy McKinney hitting for power this year. Um, and I put it in the stash list saying that, actually, if you look at what Pakoda has, is there 50% uh, their, their 50th percentile projection? It was... Basically the equivalent of what Tommy Pham did in 2019, which was 20-plus homers. And Billy McKinney uh, already has an OPS in the mid-800s, has three homers this year, and yeah, he's going to have platoon splits, and that's kind of the deal. But at the same time, he's actually been... He's been good. Yeah. That's surprising. Why, why take a flyer on somebody that hasn't really played when you can just be like, oh, Ben Gamble, are you interested? I mean, well, the Brewers let's, were. By the let's way, see, let's see. Let's 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 try out Josh Naylor, or maybe Ahmed Rosario can play outfield for the first time in his career. Um, but if you are curious as to the team that had the lowest batting average in baseball, that would be the Chicago Cubs, who are hitting as a team two hundred. Gosh. Um, though I will say, after today's game against the Brewers, that's going to go up. <laughs> I think. I think after, if you factor in today's game, that's got to be like two ninety. They've got 15 hits through six innings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's not great. Um, all right, well, let's talk some trades. Actually, yeah, we, we talked a lot about how bad the Brewers' offense is. Let's um, just quickly just we, – and we don't have to spend any time on this, but uh, Corbin Burns is just incredible. Like, I, I don't even know what to do. Like, when you're watching Corbin Burns, you're just like – you end up sounding like this, where you just can't formulate words because of how good he is. So I just wanted to make a mention because Corbin Burns is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's like I told you that I was like, I think this is what Mets fans feel like when Jacob DeGrom's on the mound. Where you're just yeah. like, oh, good, yeah, he's going to be great again. Cool. Uh, just a perfect, perfect pitcher. That's um, another another one of these. That's great. Okay. I Man, was, can you, can you I, imagine when he gives up a walk, how weird it's going to feel? It's going to be bizarre. And there's going to be like way too much emphasis on it. He's going to be really annoyed. Um, but I actually was talking about it with a, with some friends. And I was like, I do wonder if, you know, everybody's been talking about this is something Tim Jackson wrote about on on the site. This is something that Rob Arthur's been talking about, that the baseball's a little bit lighter and it's moving more. And... For somebody like Corbin Burns that throws basically three different fastballs, he throws a four-seamer, he throws a sinker, and he throws a cutter, and they're all about 96 to 98 miles an hour. 
<laughs> and basically, yeah, there's like some differences in terms of how he holds them, right? The grips are different, but ultimately what it comes down to is finger pressure. Mm-hmm. And you do wonder how much having a lighter ball that is actually moving more than we've ever seen in recent times is helping him basically just kind of throw four seamers and just change his finger pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, which, because like otherwise to me, I can't actually explain how somebody throws like a 98 mile an hour cutter. <laughs> and like I, I know amount uh, like I know Klasse does, and I know yeah. that in the past, um, that like Klasse, Klasse is like that's cute ninety eight, yeah. and like Jansen's done it as well. But like to me, they've always just kind of thrown natural cutters, mm-hmm. and that's just it's been like, and that was the case with uh with Jansen, right? Like he just kind of like threw a natural cutter, um, where Burns doesn't. Like he actually like manipulates it and has developed his cutter over time, and he threw one in 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 um, in college as well. But it wasn't this kind of cutter, and it's it's in, like as you said, right? Like, what do you do when somebody's throwing a ninety six mile an hour cutter, throwing a ninety six mile an hour sinker, throwing a ninety eight mile an hour four seamer, but can also drop a curveball and then also like will have a change up at ninety miles an hour, and is going to throw strikes? Yeah. Um. The answer has turned out to be nothing. Yeah, it turns out there is nothing you can do. (laughs) I'm going to strike out. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, so it's it's been incredible. It's something I wrote about prior to the season that I was like, everyone kind of knew his rates were going to be good. I don't think anyone knew his rates were going to be great. Mm -hmm. But it's always been about volume because he hasn't pitched that much. Um, And he's been pitching deep into games because he's been basically unhittable. But at some point you do wonder if he's going to hit a wall. You're going to wonder if the Brewers have to protect him a little bit. Um, because at the same time, if this is not what he is, because expecting this <laughs> yeah. is like unreasonable. But if it if he is a an ace or a borderline ace, um, you then don't want to waste it all in one season, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to make sure you're protecting him as a pitcher going yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, and... S- for uh, the league, if you sort it by minimum of five innings pitched, Corbin Burns has a 1.78 DRA, and that is about half a run higher or better than the second place guy, which which right now is Joe Musgrove, but half half a run higher than uh, the second best pitcher in the league, which is unbelievable. Well, and it's like one of those things that's passed by the eye test. I was like, yeah. cause I, I remember it's like both you and, and Craig that I talked about to in his last start. And I was just like, I mentioned, I don't even remember what it was. Like I mentioned something about a game and like, cause Craig mentioned to me, he goes, do you think I'm not watching? I watch every Corbin Burns start. Yeah. Um, and you've been texting me through it being like, it's appointment viewing at the moment. Uh-huh. It's so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So, um, yeah. Shout out Corbin Burns. It's so maybe my got... favorite. One of my, I should. One of my three favorite things of this season so far. We'll get to another one of them here shortly. Shohei Otani? The, uh, and that's the third. Yes. Yeah. I actually know what the other one is because, you know, we talked about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right. So we have a couple trades to talk about. I made a few in the new Roto League, which yep. it turns out um, didn't go so well for me. Uh, I will not be ashamed to admit it. Like my team just came out the gate and was like, "No, we are going to uh, be firmly affixed to fourteen or thirteenth out of fourteen, and the only team that was below me for a time is one that 
is the team that just drafted all prospects. So uh, it was a really rough. It was a really rough start, and I'm I'm learning that. Um, I tend to do better in the in the head to head or the points leagues, and so I'm I'm working I'm working out my roto thoughts real time, and I'm uh, I'm l- learning on the fly, I guess I should say with with this league. Um, but I decided to do kind of like a soft reboot. Uh, I had I took Trout in the first round. This is the league um, where that where he fell to me at six, I think. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm not trading Trout because I don't think you can possibly get value for Trout. So um, a little soft reboot in, with the hopes of um, being back in it next year, or at the very least uh, two years from now. Um, and so I made a what couple if trades. Somebody, sorry, what if somebody tried to trade you Riley Green for Trout? Yeah, one one, one for one. Uh, I mean, that, it would give me pause. I would have to think about it. Okay, I was gonna say maybe you don't like Riley Green as much as I thought, but <laughs> Riley so, Green okay. might not so you, be Mike Trout. Yeah, so you made a couple of trades. Yeah, so um, the first one was a little bit strange I'll admit and then and looking back when I like when I was reviewing it I was like I think that I panicked on that one um because of how bad my pitching was and so I traded Kyle Lewis and Taylor Trammell for Dane Dunning and Jose Alvarado um Jose Alvarado immediately went on the COVID IL uh, and Dane Dunning has been really good so far for Texas Mm -hmm. and I my my outfield was the only sort of strength I had on the team. And so I was trying to get a little bit more pitching depth um, with that next couple of years of contention in mind. Um, it's pro- it was probably a sell low on Kyle Lewis. Not probably, but it was a sell low on Kyle Lewis. I, I don't, I think that both Lewis and Trammell are, you know, fine. Um, I don't think that they're building blocks. And so I wasn't really concerned about hanging on to them but i think that maybe pairing them together in a deal i could have done a little better than dunning and and alvarado Uh, i just kind of looked at how bad my pitching numbers were like i I just saw way too many ones twos and threes in the standings uh in the standings and it was like all right i need to do something and then uh, i haven't really been seeing that with alvarado yet but dunning has been good and so i was i was pleased with with getting him but i do think that maybe um it wasn't the best value for what i gave up yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think, um, unfortunately, I think you came out worse on that trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Dunning is fine, as you said. I was surprised you didn't try to do like just Tremel for Dunning, which I think would have been fine. Yeah. Um, and that's just because I'm a little bit lower on Tremel. I think if you look at the top 500 rankings for Dynasty, I think you would have come out worse on that. But mm-hmm. I think you know, I think you could have done a one one for one on either one of them for Dunning straight up. Yeah, I've been um, heating on Dunning from the beginning of the of the season. Uh, just kind of uh, watching him and thinking that like I don't I don't think this is the season for him because I think that they're still kind of uh, slowly working him up to a workload. So I don't think that he'll be going deep into mini games. But I like him as a long term uh, guy to kind of seek out. Yeah. Um, and 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 now, uh, well, now as he's pitching better, the 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 price is going up a little bit, but I do think it's still low enough uh, across the market that you could, you could get him without having to give up an arm and a leg with, you could definitely get him uh, by giving up less than I did. Well, we'll say that. Um, so the second 
trade I made uh, was with Darius, and it was after we spoke earlier this week. Uh, we were on a diff- little bit different of a recording schedule, and we had talked about whether Jazz Chisholm was going to be a-, a Kevin Biggio type. And I was like, huh, I have Kevin Biggio. Let's let's see. And I <laughs> wanted to uh, sweeten the deal just because Jazz is awesome right now, and mm-hmm. Biggio is absolutely not awesome right now. Uh, so I traded Darius uh Biggio, uh, Johan Duran, and Nick Allen for Jazz Chisholm. And now I have a shortstop instead of the three-headed monster of J.P. Crawford, Luis Urias, and Ahmed Rosario. So I feel a little bit better about that. And Jazz is just super goddamn fun. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was pretty happy to uh, shave a couple years off um, the average age of my team, of my starting lineup at least, and get a player... With probably, or not probably, I think he definitely has more upside than Biggio, um, even if the the floor is lower as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I like the trade for you. And that just becomes evident in terms of like my kind of longstanding, I think it's pretty well established on Tino. I don't think I have to explain it too much. Like Kevin Biggio is just not somebody I'm in on. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go back to my call-up analysis from on BP when he first got called up. I'm just not really on it. Um. And so I would much rather have Chisholm, even if I think his, I mean, we've, we've discussed it. I don't need to go into my thoughts on Chisholm all that much, Mm -hmm. but I think I'd much rather have Chisholm than, than Biggio, even if I do think that Chisholm still has average risk built in, but, um, but I think, you know, Alan, I don't think you're going to really miss anything there. Um, I think Durant's actually pretty interesting, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, you got to give something to get something and being able to basically buy high on Chisholm, you're going to have to do that. Yeah, and that that was sort of my thought as well. And and Darius was, it was a pretty easy deal. We like talk, we traded like two messages to each other and was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Um, and so, yeah. Darius, I, is, Darius is a good guy. I don't know what to, what to expect on that, you know? Oh, no, I, I expected nothing else because Darius yeah. is the best, but... Um, I don't know if Darius listens. If he should, if he does listen, well, he, I, well, I think he does, right? He's in the Tina League. Well, he should we'll, listen. We'll find out if if he does. If he does, if Fair he enough. doesn't, then we'll never know. That, that's a shot. That that'd be a tough one. But anyway, or, shout out to Darius. He's one yeah. of my favorites. Uh, or he could just mess with us and not tell us that he heard this, which would be funnier. That'd be that'd be tough. Um, so I I, I just love I jazz you, though. So I still think you came out. I know, judging by, I think one of the things that you should do when you're talking about rebuilding and the way that you're talking about rebuilding is still thinking about value and that's important, but also mm-hmm. go for guys you like. And I know that yeah. you like Dunning and I know that you like Chisholm. So I think in the end, you were able to acquire two players that you like. Um, and you parted with a couple of players that maybe you sold low on, mm-hmm. but on the same time, like I still know from talking to you that you're not high on them long-term. And so in the end, I think that you're still in a position. I get kind of talking to you that you like your team better in the long-term because of the trades you've made, even if you think that maybe your value wasn't great. Yep. And I think after getting jazz, it made me feel better about the first trade too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause the first trade I offered and it was accepted pretty quickly. And when you see that you always maybe pause a little bit and you're like, ah, shit, what happened? What, what I do? Um, but I thinking about it more, I 
feel a little bit better of it, better about it, even though I think I might have been able to squeeze a little bit more value. Yeah, and I'm in a position in the league right now where I actually thought I was going to be better than mm-hmm. I've been. Um, and I was like trying to figure out what was happening because like, you know, my ERA and my whip, like 13 a piece on it. I, I knew that I was going to like own the stolen base category. I got mm-hmm. a full 15 points there. My guys are striking guys out. I'm kind of in like middle of the pack there. And then I was looking and I was like, I've got a one in terms of batting average. And I was like, right. All right. How bad, <laughs> how bad is it? Uh-huh. And I was like, my team as a whole is hitting 208. Oof. That's bad. It's like genuinely bad. That's like Rockies bad. It's like Cub, well, pre-Brewers game, Cubs bad. Um, and then it was like going into seeing what's going on and you're like, oh, well, right. You know, Jose Abreu's hitting 220. Kyle Seager's hitting 211. Like, you know, Lindor's hitting 204. Mount Castle's hitting a buck 69. You know, I was like Loriano and Yastrzemski both hitting about 200. Solaire's hitting 208. Like, it's just kind of down the board. And every single one of those guys, I would expect to hit better than that. So, like, I think that there is going to be some time that I can kind of make up some make up some space. And I still think you know, home runs and power and things. I'm still I'm still doing okay. RBI, I've got some issues, but but I do think that the average should pull back. I it just is it's a bad hole to come out from. Um, and so I'm in bad shape because of that. And the fact that Kettle Marte got hurt right away, that Tim Anderson got hurt right away, that those were my two stalwarts in terms of average. That was brutal. Can I interest you in an Alex Bregman? I mean, I've got, got Kyle Seeger already. Uh, so not really, huh? That was an unnecessary dig. And Mike Brasso? Dude, I picked him up when he actually had, like, a couple of extra, like, really good games for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Bregman, I actually, like, Bregman's good. I got no, yeah. I got no issue with it. No, Bregman's real good. Like, if I, if, um, if I was, if I had my druthers, I would just kind of be building around, hanging on to Trout, Luis Robert, and Bregman. Um, but I think, I, I think Bregman would be available in the right deal. Yeah, but it's like, you know, Kyle Seeger is somebody that I thought was a good value pick. Um, mm-hmm. And I still think he can be useful. He's not going to hit 211 all year. And it's like, you know, we've also seen Brian Anderson is solid. Yeah. And he's not going to hit a buck 83 all year. And so mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that I'm trying to not overreact on a lot of, like, you know, Francisco Lindor hitting 200 seasons. Um, yeah, I, I'd consider moving on from Lindor if I were you, but that maybe that's just me. Uh, I think that is just you. <laughs> that's just that's just me if I were you. Like I would take Lindor, <laughs> but if I were you, I would not want him as much. Yeah, so it's been right. it's been kind of a rough year for the Roto League for both of us. Uh-huh. The points league we're we're doing fine, but the Roto League is just. Um, it's it's going to be a long year, and and luckily it's a long year, or else uh, I would be embarrassed. Yeah, and I would like to point out that in the points league, the two Brink team named team uh-huh. names one and two. Yeah, not me, of course. I'm number three, but sure. yeah. We, I mean, the Soul Skaters forever, baby. You, you know what I'm you know what I'm all about. Uh, so. You uh, mentioned this trade, this hypothetical trade that you uh, were 
mentioned in or that you uh, had been asked about and we wanted to talk about it and I thought it was pretty interesting so I wanted to maybe talk about it a little bit um, before we get out of here Um, the the trade in question was like a a juggernaut a blockbuster Wander Franco for Julio Rodriguez and Dylan Carlson Mm -hmm. so uh, last year coming into the 2020 season this is three top 10 if not top you know five or six prospects all in the same trade and i think that coming into this year there would have been some there there were a lot of people that had julio rodriguez ahead of wander franco maybe not a lot but there was there were some places where you could see julio as the number one prospect uh and i I personally i think that might be a little bit of wander fatigue just because he's been around for a little bit longer and i wouldn't have him above wander um he's been around he's been around for a little bit he's 20 right but he's been <laughs> the top prospect when, when you get to be the top prospect for like more than a year yeah and um i think that people are like how long has he been in the the system but uh so i'm interested to hear what your thoughts are because mm-hmm. you said that you had a pretty quick answer and yeah. then we're talked off of it also pretty quickly. So, um, well, I not uh, not off, yeah. talked off of it, but yeah. you there was a differing opinion. Sure, yeah, because I thought it was pretty clear that I would take the Rodriguez Carlson side like ten times out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and maybe I just don't appreciate how in some circles wander franco is like head and tails the number one prospect but i do think in a year in which we haven't seen minor league games for 18 months and we are in a scenario in which we're talking about three top 15 dynasty prospects i wouldn't for a second be willing to bet whether i thought franco or rodriguez was better like Mm -hmm. i i think we could be two months from now and Either one could be the number one dynasty prospect in baseball. I don't think we have a real good sense for which one is going to be it. So I would like in a challenge trade one for one. I think that'd be super interesting. You just kind of make your call which one you which one you'd rather have. But adding Dylan Carlson to the situation, mm-hmm. that ain't I. Yeah, I ain't I ain't willing to play that game. So so what was the because that's where I would be too. Um, we talked last week about mm-hmm. how Dylan Carlson might be pretty good as opposed to great and and obviously that's still useful and that's still productive in fantasy and in real life uh but even with that caveat i would have a hard time not taking the two over the one what was the argument the other way that wander franco was potentially an absolute superstar immediately was five category contributor okay and the fact that like even best case scenario rodriguez is four categories without stolen bases yeah okay um yeah i and i that makes sense and 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 again like i think i could see that argument if i had a real sense that i that franco was that much better than rodriguez yeah but like I, i don't see a scenario in which i don't i mean i don't think i could make that call or feel comfortable making that call in any capacity I would have difficulty projecting like other world superstar status. If that makes sense. 
like for whom for anyone for for any for anyone really yeah. like you're you're making a bet that this person is going to be like one of the three or four best hitters in fantasy yeah and that that's a very small group to be in like you you have mvps and you know multiple time all-stars that can't crack that list so i think it, it would be really tough to just be like yeah he's gonna be that yeah and so i think it's gonna be we've been talking about it all year but like we're gonna see so much volatility when it comes to minor league prospect valuations that i wouldn't I, be willing to make any trades on on that basis right now I i'm really i'm really excited about it yeah i'm excited to overreact no, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I can't I cannot wait until we get to see some like big swings in prospect rankings. Yeah, man. Let's like let's have just absolutely someone, you know, random mid-tier guy like Travis Swaggerty go out and hit like 450 for the first 2 weeks and everyone is like he is incredible. <laughs> is is the the Pirates timeline moved up by 3 years? Because, because of Traver, um, Travis Swaggerty? Because Travis Swaggerty absolutely like hits. And and then, like, you know, Kirilov struggles for a little bit, and Larnock goes out and hits, like, 350 with five homers in the first seven days, and everyone's like, did they make the wrong call? And you're like, I, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, it's so, going to be great. Looking forward to it. I'm excited. Well, you know where uh, to hear about all of those overreactions and all of that, um, you know, projection all of those big swings and it's right here it's with your favorite tino 2.0 podcast voices it's with us so check us out next week we'll be back hopefully we'll have some minor league games to react overreact to and if if we do it'll only be one or two games so it'll be even more fun to overreact um stay safe everybody thanks for listening you guys are the coolest See ya. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.